The clock was ticking, and the station was spinning, and Marie was exhausted. The 501st Expeditionary Force had been the farthest and gone the longest a space crew ever had. That wasn't saying too much. The first Expeditionary Force had launched from the only Martian colony on the planet. That colony had a total of 342 people living there. On their six-year journey from Mars to the Kuiper Belt, the edge of the Earth's solar system, the Graviton was discovered. By the time they made it back to Mars, the planet had just passed a population of 100,000, as space travel out of the atmosphere became just as difficult to do as building a high-speed train. However, they were not the worst example of an expeditionary force. The 51st took that trophy. They had set out on a mission without the intention of ever returning. 1,000 brave souls embarked on a journey towards Proxa Centauri. It had been a generation ship. Those thousand souls thought only their great-grandchildren would see the alien star. They had made it 15 years into their journey when a human ship, traveling faster than the speed of light, had finally found them. Less than two years after the 51st had left Earth, the jump driver, or what you know now as the jumper, was invented. Just five years after that invention, ten years before the 51st was found, the 52nd Expeditionary Force touched down on a planet orbiting Proxa Centauri, beating their previous counterparts there by some 200 years. So it had taken eight long years of searching space for the 51st, but they were finally found and brought back to Earth. Many of them were very pissed off, but they were all offered places on the 53rd Expeditionary Force back to Proxa Centauri, Many jumped at the chance and went. Others stayed back on Earth. Marie was thinking of the 51st this particular day, and wondering if they would get back to Earth, just to find that something had drastically changed or improved, making their mission meaningless. Marie was just 18 when she joined the 501st Expeditionary Force. They had set out 101 souls, on board the Starhopper, towards the furthest reaches of the galaxy, to gather as much information as possible. Murray walked back out of the door, on her way towards her position and job on the bridge. There were now 118 souls on board the Starhopper. Of them, only 88 were original crew members. Marie had just been a naive 18-year-old when she had joined. Now. She had just turned 39. The youngest bridge officer had found Marie on her way to work that day and called out, Hey. Marie turned around and sighed. It was X. He had been the first baby born on board the Starhopper. He was only 18 himself and about to be 19. His mother had promised to name her baby after the closest star to the ship when he was born. Unfortunately, the closest star at the time had been a very long number sequence, starting with six. And so his name had become Six Alberton, which had led to him being given the simple and less dumb name, in Marie's opinion, of Axe. Axe was young, but also the oldest of the other thirty kids born on the ship, 
along its 20-year journey. He had two obsessions, Earth and future technologies. Of course, most of his predictions were wrong. Most people's are. In the 21st century, people were worried about AI taking over. It turned out that artificial intelligences were impossible. Humans only have achieved very smart computers. They had dreamed of immortality. Even now, humanity had only extended the health span to 150 years, and at most, a lifespan to around 200. After that, as the leading doctor in this issue had said herself, there is no evidence for souls other than the fact that around a human's 200th year, it leaves, and we humans die. There were so many other lies. Aliens weren't real, and really too many others. Hey, Marie, how far away are we? Axe asked. As Axe asked the question, Marie seriously considered putting her head through the ship's wall, or her fist through Axe's head. She deduced not to do either of these things, as it was a bad idea. Axe, do you remember when you asked me yesterday? And I said, five months and twenty-three days. Then when you asked me the day before that, I said, twenty-four days. And before that, twenty-five days. It counts down every day. Marie turned her back to Axe and started towards the bridge. Marie muttered silent curses under her breath. The captain had asked her yesterday to look at the Starhopper's route and re-estimate time to Earth. Now, the first officer had just messaged her again this morning to do that. So, as the ship's chief navigational officer, she was obliged to. Unfortunately, to Marie, and to the delight of Axe, he was her apprentice, which made him asking her every day how long till they reached Earth, even more irritating to Marie. They reached the bridge of the ship, and Marie sat down at her computer as Axe stepped into the three-dimensional intergalactic map, zooming in on their position. As Marie began typing out the document, she wrote on the day of the journey, then froze. She looked up towards Axe and asked, Hey, what day is it? Year 19, month 5, day 7 of the voyage, Axe answered instantly. Marie almost slapped him upside the head. No dumb wit on Earth. What day is it on Earth? April 25th, why do you ask? Axe replied. Marie sat back from her document. It was my mother's birthday yesterday. Marie had not heard from her mother. In almost twenty years, the ships traveled faster than light, and thus had no radio waves. Unfortunately, the vastest forms of wireless communication in all but the local systems, in most cases, it was faster simply to fly a ship millions of miles across space to have a human deliver the message in a matter of hours instead of waiting the years it would take a radio or light message to reach. This meant none of the crew aboard the Starhopper had heard from their families in nineteen and a half years, nor had any of them been able to reach their families back home. 
Marie continued. She got her last message yesterday. I recorded dozens of messages for her before I left. Twenty for every one of her birthdays I would be missing. The very last one was the one wishing her a happy 51st birthday. And if I remember, that was the last one. I think I figured we'd be home soon after. X stepped out of the map. I'm sorry, I didn't know, he said. And there was no way you could have, Murray snapped. She wondered what home would be like. Every planet had been colonized by the time she had left. She wondered if there would be more or less countries in the galaxy, if her friends back home even remembered her name. Axe, take the day off. Go tell your mother you love her. What? Axe said. Miss Marie, I can keep working. Please go. Tell those you care about them that you care. Axe left the outer bridge and started back towards his room. The ship had been designed to be very forward-thinking. The Starhopper was a massive ship. The general shape was a sphere split in half with a pole holding the two parts together and separate. It had been described as looking like a very large dumbbell. Axe and his mother lived near the top of the right half-sphere. Because of the graviton, the ship was built very much like a building on planet Earth, with a top floor and a ground floor. The difference, of course, being that the ground floor wasn't on any type of real ground. Axe got into the elevator, wondering what he was going to tell his mother. When he got back home early, the bridge of the ship was in the center pole, in between the two spheres. All of the passenger quarters were above the bridge, and all of the cargo bays and biospheres and most other technical systems were below it. Axe reached the 14th floor of 15. He walked down the hallway and opened the door into his mother's room. The first thing he saw was the same thing he saw every time when he entered the door. He paid it no mind. There were a few days he did anymore. The picture was of one James Alberton. He went onto the ship with his then-girlfriend, Rachel. Rachel was Six's mother. They were married before the close of year one, as Rachel was pregnant. They thought the next twenty years of their life would be the best of their lives. They were wrong. Before Axe was even six months old, the Starhopper stopped to send a few crew down to a possibly habitable planet, as was the 501st mission prerogative. James exited the ship. He stretched in the constricting suit. Then he laughed. This was the first planet he had been allowed to go on to. He was a biologist by trade. The reason why the Starhopper was here on planet 3,652 of system 1,574 was because they had possibly detected life. There were false positives all the time. Of the previous 500 missions, not a single one had found alien life, not even so much as bacteria. That it was except for one time when the 331st had found bacteria in a planet's ocean. It was groundbreaking. They were worshipped as heroes. Until 
it was discovered that the bacteria was from Earth, and B, 184 years earlier, a probe had crashed into the ocean of that same planet. This planet that James Alberton had landed on was to be just as disappointing. From space, the planet was green and blue, with poles on either end. It looked almost like Earth. When the crew landed, they were even more excited because the planet felt like Earth, at just 105% of Earth's gravity. But as soon as they stepped outside, they were immediately disappointed. A rocky green landscape stretched out before them. The stone itself that covered the planet's surface was jade green. They had landed just a mile away from what they knew was a liquid ocean. The atmosphere was not breathable, so the crew of seven that had landed on the planet were wearing suits. So they started walking towards the ocean. When they finally reached it, they were even more disappointed. The ocean was smoky, a toxic gas rising up in a bluish color from the toxic liquid. James walked out onto an outcropping, overhanging the toxic ocean. Before anyone had time even to react, there was a cracking, rending sound. The entire ledge crumbled beneath him, and James tumbled down. They were never able to recover the body. Axe only remembered his father as photographs, photos that he barely paid any heed to anymore. Hello, Mom, Axe called out as Rachel looked up from the couch. She had been reading. Oh, hello, Six. What are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to be on the bridge, she said. I was, Axe sighed. Marie sent me home early. Oh, that sucks. Rachel paused for a moment. But what did you do? She inquired. I didn't do anything, Mom. Marie got to the bridge, started writing, and asked me what day it was back on Earth. Then she just freaked out when I told her. Rachel sighed, then opened up the calendar on her tablet. I think it might have been Marie's mom's birthday. She was very close to her mom, and always seems to get sad whenever it's her birthday. I should go see her today, Rachel said. Axe started walking back towards his room, and as he opened the door, he slowed and looked back. Hey, Mom. Yes, honey. Thank you, Mom. And I love you. He took a step towards his room. Rachel smiled. What is bringing this on? Axe shrugged and walked into his room. As the door closed, an announcement rang out throughout the ship, and this is what it said. Hello. This is your captain speaking. I am calling all crew members to the portside cargo bay in one hour. Again, I am calling all crew members to the portside cargo bay. This is not an emergency. Please do not be alarmed. The captain leaned back from her microphone and straightened her perfectly done uniform. For the last 19 and a half years, she had always been perfectly dressed. The captain's partner, Jesse, was the unsung hero of the ship, according to the captain. Jesse has been supporting the captain for the last 60 years, through thick and thin. She has held the captain and the crew together on every voyage the two of them had been on together. By mid-afternoon, the captain had gathered all 118 people who lived aboard the Starhopper 
into the largest and emptiest room on board the ship, the port cargo hold. The captain was a tall woman, who was about to be turning 85. However, she had long blonde hair and looked like she was only about to be turning 40. So, by the universe's standards, she was about middle-aged. Axe was terrified of her, as he was reverent. Her and her partner had participated in Expedition 495, then 499, and now the 501st, which was the longest one they had ever done, the longest journey any crew had ever taken. She was still wearing an official uniform today, the same she had been every day for the last 19 years. The 118 passengers, who by this point in the journey were friends, if not family, went silent as the captain started talking, giving this speech. Pretty soon, you are all going to be leaving this ship. For 20 years, you have been dealing with the same people, enemies, anger, even dislike. It is something that this group of people have gotten rid of. I don't think there has been a major argument or falling out of anyone in the last 15 years, and that is why I keep going on these missions. She sighed and turned towards the cargo doors, then towards one of the large windows as she watched the streaks of light passing by that were distant stars. She looked back at her people and continued. When people spend so much time so close together, you can't hate each other. You can't judge. If you do, we all die. We need each other, and we all know it. And so that hate dies. But now, we are returning back to our solar system. When we left, billions of people were living on Earth. Billions on Mars. Even Venus had begun to be terraformed in earnest. There might be hundreds of millions living there when we get home. There are going to be so many more people, it is going to blow your mind. Even more so for our 30 members. The only planets they have ever stepped on are lifeless and empty ones. When we reach Earth, we only have one month. We will be kept together on Earth to quarantine, reacclimate, and transfer information. Then you will all be free. These 130 souls will most likely never see each other again. She laughed at that point, then picked up again. Once upon a time, you could have hoped for some kind of class reunion, but now some of you are going to go home to Mars, the Moon, Europa, Earth, or even leave on another expedition. After we land, you will never be alone with this group of people ever again. So say goodbye. Make sure nothing is left unsaid. These months are your final chance, and I need all of you to be mentally prepared for that. Thank you. You are all dismissed. The captain stepped off her makeshift podium and walked away. The crew split back to their stations and cabins. Attention began to grow throughout the ship as the months passed by. But finally... They received their first message, welcoming them back. The Starhopper was almost back to Earth. Two weeks after that message, the ship entered the Earth's atmosphere and slowly descended down before coming to rest in the dock.
that had been built for it. The Starhopper landed to a cheering crowd of watchers, fans, friends, and family. Thankfully for the 501st, in the 20 years they were gone, no massively better transportation technology was invented, but the ship was still considered slow by the new modern standards. Unfortunately, while they were gone, still not a single trace of alien life had been found. The governments of the world had not shifted much either, which was a great relief to the crew. Some had lost family, and they were gone. Most had not. Parents got to meet their grandchildren for the first time. The crew spent its month disembarking and then broke apart. The Starhopper was dismantled and it was stripped for parts. The captain and her partner waited just two years before boarding the 501st Expedition Force, bound on another ten-year mission. Murray went and found a planet outside of the Earth's solar system that had trees, a sandy beach, and a warm climate. She is still there to this day. As for Rachel, she still mourns her husband, and is now said she is retired, for at least now. The world was too big for Axe. He traveled around the Earth and Mars for over five years before the scale of the universe finally overwhelmed him. He signed up to join the 507th, which departs from the outer ring of the Kuiper Belt in two weeks. This has been the story of some of the brave individuals aboard the Starhopper, carrying the 501st Expeditionary Force to distant stars. Thank you for reading this. It has been an article by the NMPA, the Northern Martian Pole Writers Association. The end. The actual end this time. Haha. So I was trying with something different. You probably saw it in the description. I wanted to write this one to sound more like a newspaper kind of article story instead of a traditional short story. But, you know, it was still about space and all of that business. So hopefully the fantasy part still came off. I hope you are having a wonderful fall. Wow, it's already fall. Kind of crazy to think. And as always, good night, good luck, and don't get lost.